This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Power Talk on Power 98.7. Girl, it's in you. That is a song by Swangila Kumalu, little girl, and she wrote it for this little girl who's not so little. Oh. Nomsa Manaka, her friend, her colleague, her sage, artists feeding off of each other's positive energies, women lifting each other up. And uh, she dedicated the song for you. Nomsa Manaka, you will know, she is one of South Africa's most renowned choreographers and dancers and artists. She's also a survivor of cancer. She's beat it twice. And what she has done is use her artistry to raise awareness of cancer. And currently, she is preparing for a show uh, to raise funds in Cancer Awareness Month for um, the Childhood Cancer Foundation in line with many people who are dealing with this horrible, horrible disease and don't see a way out medically or emotionally. I also think at this juncture I need to uh, fess up 
uh, that uh, I'm a very lucky little girl myself because as a five, six, seven-year-old, uh, my mother enrolled me in ballet class and she was my <laughs> ballet teacher. <laughs> she taught me ballet. She taught Mapaseka Mugweli ballet. Uh, and she taught Nomsa Kumalo Ballet. We were all her little ones mm. in class. We all had fat bums, and I'm not really sure whether we... <laughs> Chubby feet, no teeth in front, but there we were doing what we had to do because our mothers had brought us... And you did it, and you guys did it. <laughs> our mothers were like, Nomsa, do something. Yes. Get them out of our hair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's such a privilege and an honor to see you and to just, you know, reflect on your tremendous journey as an artist. So let's first tell us how you landed up in the arts. I just remember you being my ballet teacher at Funda Center, and I've never really known how you yourself became a dancer. (laughs) Well, firstly, firstly, I just want to say thank you guys. Thank you for that song. I'm in tears. I'm trying to recollect myself. Thank you. Thank you for Little Girl. Yeah, as I when I grew up in Alexandra Township, yeah. I had two dreams, right? Mm-hmm. It was to be famous. Yes. And to be to go to New York. Two things. Two be things. famous and go to New York. To go to New York and, and I think I was about four or five and everybody kept reminding me about this dream because I used to tell everybody who cared to listen. When everybody wanted to be a doctor, a nurse, me I had this thing to be famous and go to New York. So that propelled me, propelled my dance. I started dancing in the streets of Alexandra Township until we were moved during the first removals to Soweto. Mm. And then I continued with my dancing in the streets. And, um, and my mother, just like your mom, you know, that's why I love your mom so much. <laughs> <laughs> and my pasaka's mom, all of those moms. Oh, mom Tora. Yes, yes. Uh, my mom took me to dance classes, and um, one of them was FUBA, okay. uh, F- Federated of Union Black Artists, that was based in Newtown. And that's why I used to take dance classes. And I was very lucky that um, through my dance, somebody recognized me and said, This child is very good. And I am. Um, I got a scholarship to go and do dance in the U.S. In to go New study York. in New York. You uh, see, manifesting. exactly <laughs> manifesting. So I started as a child to manifest, and um, but the thing about it was, I just wanted to learn ballet. Ballet was my thing, and I didn't want to do anything. No indigenous dances, nothing. Yeah. It's only in America when I got to America, my perception of dance changed, right? Because. It was there when I got there, everybody was like, oh, my God, you're from South Africa and this, this, this. Show us your your indigenous dances. And I couldn't impart a thing. The only thing I could do was to lift my legs 90 degrees. Mm. And and I couldn't do anything closer to the ground. Ground, 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 ground. uh, Women to have posture. Right. You know, it straightens the back. It elongates the legs. It does all those amazing things Mm -hmm. for which we're very grateful. Uh, But I've often heard that there is the athleticism you need to dance Mm -hmm. but to be a dancer you need the creativity so it's two things it's very physical to be Mm -hmm. a dancer Mm -hmm. but to dance yes but to be a real dancer you've got to pair that physicality with the creativity and that seems absolutely absolutely that's what you need um because um 
what does creativity do to dance? How are you able to communicate with your audience? You know, it's through being creative. So that's how creativity comes into dance, that you're able to create a language for dance. You're able to, to converse with people without saying a word, but using your body. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's how creativity comes into dance. And um, and 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 as you can see in South Africa, then in my days, uh, the thing that created a language for us as dancers was Sapanzola as the black community. Yeah. So if you saw Mapanzula dancing all of, somewhere in another part of the world, you knew exactly. You could identify with that and said, that's, that's the Africa. indigenous dance. That's, that's the indigenous that's dance. The one. Exactly. That as as a person who comes from the urban areas, that's what Sepansula did for us. It created a language for us. And that's why one could identify with that. Mm-hmm. But then there was no way I was I could be seen doing sepansola. No, 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 no. I had to lift my leg 90 degrees. I had to pull my hair back. I had to look the part. I had to You're look like an angel because that's what ballet did to us. And then um, under the same breath, they show you African dance. And you see all these savage people dancing with their yeah. hair crazy because that's what they did with us. And that's why I didn't want to do ballet. African dancer. Yeah. I didn't want to do indigenous dancers. And it was in America that the whole perception changed. We'll, we'll talk mm. about perceptions on African dance in a moment. Uh, are you following the politics in ballet at the moment? Misty Copeland, the first ever prima ballerina for the New York Ballet, mm. um, she says, you know, I had to fight the odds because yeah. I was wide-hipped yep. uh, and, and, and thick at the bottom. So, yes, I had to lose the weight, but I couldn't change my pear shape. Yeah, And the African body is always said to be not a body that can dance ballet elegantly. So those are the politics. Yeah. And then today, the big issue, uh, even with Nat Star, the dancer, they are all arguing for changing the color of ballet shoes from pink to your natural, to natural skin. Color. Because yeah. there's this idea that we are all imposters in mm. ballet. Mm. It wasn't made for us. So even the uniform, the tutu, the pink, the pink leggings, mm. the pink shoes are all about a particular Eurocentric aesthetic mm-hmm. versus an African aesthetic. And so there's this big push to say, if black people are starting to be the prima ballerinas. Absolutely. Even the uniform needs to be black. Absolutely. There needs to be change. You know, when I read her story, her story was my story. Right. In the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. It was my story because when I used to go to classes, that's exactly what used to happen to me. They would say, the teacher would teach others and say, you're good, oh, you're brilliant. Just pull up top, pull up top. And then when they came to me, like, put your bum in, pull up top. And, you know, we have sticking bums. And they'll say to me, just (laughs) keep it tight. keep." And, and, And at some point in my life, I wanted to stop dancing. I was like, this is not for me. This is just not for me. I am not doing this. I can't put myself through this, you know, because clearly ballet is not for me. I am not a dancer. And my mom was like, you're going to do this. You love doing this. You're going to do it. Yeah. So Miss the Story is my story, is our story. Out of all the black ballerinas, one way or the other, we've all uh, experienced this, this prejudice of us having. The biggest thing is they say you have a big bum. Yeah. And because you're so desperate, you want to be a ballerina, you stop eating. You, 
you, you have eating disorders because you have to be thin. You have to conform mm. to, to, to these um, 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 teachers. And exactly, yeah. to these aesthetics. And, and that's where the, it, it goes wrong. But I'm glad that they are now coming out and say enough is enough. And I think the time is right as well that to say the black people are now in the majority and saying, listen, man, we work hard. We work hard mm. and we can be what we want to be. Okay. You know? so, so this is also about dance. You know, we look at it as theater, as, 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 as beautiful, expressive and creativity. What we're discovering with all these stories, yours, Misty Copeland's, Nat Stars, is the, is the politics embedded in dance. Mm-hmm. The politics embedded in theater and creativity and the fact that we're starting to see glass ceiling shatter Mm -hmm. it's changing even the politics absolutely of dance absolutely so what i know about you even though you were my ballet teacher you taught me ballet i also know that at the time i remember it distinctly you were obsessed with modern dance and contemporary dance so you Mm -hmm. used to do ballet with the little ones yes and then after that, you had a contemporary dance class with the older That's girls. right. Yeah. So tell me about some of those dimensions of your artistry. Um, what happened was um, when I started getting involved in um, indigenous dances, I didn't want to forget my training, my ballet training and my contemporary training. Okay. You know, so then during your time, yeah. kids also didn't want to do uh, indigenous dances. They wanted to do ballet. Yes, because so. the uniform was cute. <laughs> the uniform was cute. <laughs> and what you saw on TV was beautiful as well. So then I, I, I had to learn how to introduce uh, indigenous dances to you. So I had to do it through contemporary dance, you know. So by the time I introduced a sepedi dance, a domba dance, to all of you then, it was easy because now you know contemporary and now you're learning this new dance that comes in easily. Yeah. So that's what has actually uh, made my dancing to be what it is even today. And you've got the discipline mm. of ballet because the, the, ballet mm. requires a lot of physical Absolutely. discipline. You pose for close on to five I minutes without a core. Mm-hmm. So you, that discipline matters as you make the body more fluid for indigenous dance. Absolutely. But, but you see, the, the discipline is, it, it's in all the genres. It's in all, even with indigenous dancers, there's so much uh, discipline because you need to learn how to um, communicate with the drum and the dance. When the drummer says this, as a, as, as a dancer, if a drummer wants a certain movement, there has to be discipline in that rhythm. So yeah, a rhythm. And 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 I hear people say, yeah, that's what I used to think as well. That oh, ballet, it's strict as this. All the dance genres are very very strict. Okay. So tell mm. us about your move into contemporary and indigenous dance. Once once you'd realized that actually you have something to say. What are indigenous dances? And what and which have influenced you the most? Uh, you know, when often, mm. when, whenever we watch sort of uh, American movies, because we are all sort of conscientized that way, mm. and you watch like um, uh, Wakanda Forever, or you watch a Michael Jackson video, mm. there's that Yoruba thing that they all do, where the <laughs> yeah. women kind of move their back, arch it in and out, and the then flail, and, and then the they flail the their arms. hands, yeah. and then they lift up their legs, <laughs> and now that's supposed to be like an indigenous dance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You see, what happens is that um, West Africa, because with our dances in South Africa, our dances were so bastardized that... Um, 
that's why a lot of people didn't want to do African dance in this country. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the Yoruba, when you look at the um, the Ghanaians, when you look at the West African dancers, they're so beautiful and they've been there forever. Right. So nothing has been, their dancers have never been infiltrated as our dancers. Okay. So that's why they became so popular and they're so known all over the world. And yet we, we share a rhythm, we share movement. The Yorubas, they do it's outward. They do this. They it's outward. But as with they move the shoulders back, the shoulders back, back. back. with with arms. us in South Africa, it's exactly the same movement. But we move inward. Our dancers are more like the inward. Swana khiba, the khiba, the susutu bahiba inward, and the kosa bahiba. It's inward. Bring the shoulders. In. You see, Aha. yeah. But then what has happened is that I was so lucky that I worked with. Kaifas Seminya and Limeleta Mbulu in 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 their show called Bua. Yeah. And I was exposed to these dancers. And when I was exposed to them, I learned all these dances and I brought brought them back to South Africa. And that was in nineteen eighty seven. Right. I brought them brought them back to South Africa. And I thought our dances were not as exciting as the West Africans yeah. because in the West Africa it's it's, it's oh, big. It's yeah. ah, you know? Yeah. Until um then everybody started doing West African. And I was like, no, this is so wrong. We gotta yeah. start learning to introduce our own dances. And now our dancers I see a similar pattern with the West right. African. They are big. They are out there. The rhythm. You can't yeah. miss Kiba. You can't miss yeah. Domba. So when you are asking me a question, how did I get into African dance? So it's like I initiated myself into African dance. I started with Domba. Okay. Domba is an initiation, initiation dance for girls. Yeah. So I went to Domba. It was introduced by a man called Rashaka Rashitanga whom I met through my late husband, Matsumela. And uh, through Rashaka, Rashaka took me to this village where I went to go learn Domba. And I learned Chikombela. I learned different dances of the Venda culture, right. you know. And so that was the beginning for me. And I never looked back. And right. I was like, we got it in South Africa. We got this. Okay. And we are doing it. Okay, so there's mm. a, a contemporary, cosmopolitan, but very strong Afro-consciousness mm. in your dance in your artistry, what do you, what stories do you tell in dance? What are you telling people when you dance? Um, the most important thing for me to know where you come from as a South African, right? Other people in other parts of the continent, they know and understand and they're proud of who they are. What else with us, it took us a long time. So in my story, in my dancing, I communicate the importance of who you are, where you come from. Mm. So that is very crucial for me. Do you go that, into like a trance when you dance? Oh, yes. Are you oh, in yes. your head, in your soul, or do you even I, see the audience? I get lost. I get lost in the rhythm. I get lost in the dance. And I, I, I only hear people tell me, oh, my God, Namsa, the move that you did. And I was like, what move? What did I do? And sometimes I get worried because you just get lost in the trance and you don't know what you're doing. And um, and I guess that's what made me a good dancer. <laughs> I have to say, seeing you walking in, I was so pleasantly surprised. How long your hair is. Oh. How, yeah, how just alive uh, and full your face is. Mm. You don't look like somebody who's beat cancer twice. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Nobody would look you at see, you and say that. That's. I attribute that to dance. I attribute that to dance. And hence, I use dance 
In cancer, they use chemotherapy to heal. In dance, I use dance therapy to heal. And that's what has brought me to where I am today. Mm. And to help those out there who are living with cancer, mm. you know, or affected by cancer. So dance, I attribute it to everything, my happiness, my life, my story, everything. Every being of me is told through dance. So tell me about the synergy between, synergy is not even the right word, but your pairing, your talent with your healing journey and why you are dancing to raise funds now. Here's the thing. 2016, I was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer. And... Um, in my deathbed, because that's what Stage it was. Stage four is the latter. Is the, it is. Near the it end. is. It's, it's the end, actually, you know. And, and after doing chemo, um, and I used to do about nine-hour chemo, and I remember this one day my son came into the bedroom and said, Mama, you must write a book and call it Dancing Out of Cancer. My son is a poet, you see, mm. and then that's why he could come up with these beautiful, beautiful uh, names. And as he left, that had an impact in me. That's what jacked me actually to wake up because as I slept, I kept thinking of dancing. I kept thinking, you know, I'm going to dance. I'm going. And every day, every day, there was something happening in my body. There was something happening to me physically because I could wake up without a struggle like I was going through the struggles mm -hmm. of chemo and cancer. Mm -hmm. But when I started thinking of I'm going to dance, I'm going to dance. And the first thing I did when I started to walk, when I started walking to the kitchen, walking outside, because mm -hmm. stage four, guys, it's, it's no easy. It's no joke. Yeah. You know, when I started learning how to walk again and going outside, I could move my head. Yeah. I could listen to music. I was like, this is happening. Namsa, you're doing this. You are doing this. And I, and, I, and I said to my kids, guys, I'm going out. I'm, I'm going to take a walk. Um, and I remember down the road, there's a church, you know, from mm -hmm. my house. And it, it takes about two minutes to go there. And it took me about 20 minutes to get there. That's how bad it was. But I kept moving my head. There was music in my head. There was rhythm in my head. And I was like, Namsa, you're still alive. You're going to do this. And that's how that came about, the, the, the dancing that's and the cancer. Fun. Okay, mm. so uh, what people don't know is the renowned poet, artist, uh, is a painter, is uh, your son, Mac Manaka, is your son, yeah. and your husband was a playwright. Yes. So it's a whole family. The entire creators. family, even my younger son, my other son, is a painter. Mm. So it's all in the family. <laughs> so you're just surrounded by words, by mm -hmm. color, by music, by art. Absolutely. Complete full and how how do you get sick really? How do you get sick surrounded yeah. by such? How do you get sick? Yeah. Okay, mm. so the fundraiser. Tell us a little bit about it. There's a partnership that you have with the Childhood Cancer Foundation, right? Okay, so what happened is um, when I after my diagnose and after getting well, and I was like, how do I give back? Yeah. You know, what do I do? Then I was introduced to Chalk Childhood Cancer Foundation, mm -hmm. and I went to them and I was like, I'd like to work with you. I have never been introduced to childhood cancer. I'd never seen a child with cancer. Mm. And they were so beautiful. You know, there's a lady by the name of Antonella. Antonella is the original manager for Chalk. He said, okay, Namsa, come, let's show you around. They showed me around. They have a house in Saxonwall. They have a house in Deep Kloof. I come from Deep Kloof and I was like, okay, 
me as a person from Deepcliff, I want to help at the Deepcliff House. And um, so last year we had a show called The Dancing Out of Cancer at the Soweto Theatre, where I'm partnering with the Soweto Theatre. And a child spoke and said, when he had cancer, this child was about, I think, 18, 19, and he said uh, his mom passed and his grandmother took him away to the rural areas to say, this children don't have cancer. He's been bewitched. Mm. That had an impact in me again to say, oh, my God. So this is what goes on because people also call me to say, I can't be this healthy and be this outgoing and then I have cancer. Mm. I must have been bewitched. Mm. I was like, so this is a common thing. It doesn't matter, adult and children, it doesn't matter. Cancer in, uh, in black people, it's, you're bewitched. Mm. And then I spoke to people at Chuck and I was like, you know what, we need to create a dialogue uh, for people to know more about cancer. And that's how Childhood Cancer mm. was born. And we had a walk last month of Childhood yeah. Cancer Awareness, wow. you know, and people are beginning to be aware of these things. Now we are having this concert at the Soviet Theatre celebrating adult cancers okay and mm. when is the concert next the, week the concert yeah is next week on the 29th at 3 p.m um yeah and we have an exciting lineup of artists you have your malay from malay you have no not malay malay you have cd muholo from malaika yeah. and then you have omega you have uh, billy munama who will be playing my brother's songs if you remember prince was a guitarist yeah. died in a car accident so he'll be playing his songs you have ayanda kumalo who will be playing swangile kumalo songs he'll be playing little girl so i'm sort of like indulging myself in remembering oh, wow. these beautiful people and then we have the huma sikala band we have the dancers from my studio we have the dancers from Subuking. we have poets mac amante swana oh, wow. Yeah, so it's going to be exciting. A full day on the 29th of October, 3 p.m. at the Soweto Theatre mm. of Music, of Poetry, of Dance. Yes. Just a whole yes. smorgasbord of Absolutely. Art. This is to say thank you to the caregivers. Okay. Thank you to the survivors. And we're giving hope to cancer survive to cancer patients and those who are affected All by right. cancer. And as we say goodbye mm. to you, for the little girl whose mother's listening right now, who has a little lerato and wants to just say, can somebody keep my baby busy? Where can they find the Nomsamanako dance yes. studio? Yes, we're back at the Funda Center, where you guys started, where everything started. We're back. We, I used to have a studio in Claptown, a beautiful yeah. studio. Um, and unfortunately, it was okay. vandalized. Okay. So we're going back to Funda Center. So if you want us, you find us there at Funda Center in Soweto, in Dipchuf. Okay, so for mm. a, a baby Mapaseka, a baby Lerato, a yes, baby Nomsa, a baby, baby Pelbonega, all, all of, of them. you yes. bring your kids Indeed. to the Funda all of them, Center. Jeanette, yeah. Well, Sis Nomsa is standing, she's alive, and she's ready to teach your little girls <laughs> the power of dance. Thank you so much. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.